This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. When you think of the nomadic conquerors of history, you probably first think of Genghis Khan, then perhaps Attila and the Huns. But the fierce, often brutal warrior mentality didn't end there. In 1370, for example, a Turco-Mongol warlord by the name of Tamerlane came into power. And unlike any other commander in the history of military might, Tamerlane was never defeated. However, he was the last of the great nomadic conquerors as a new era began encroaching into the end of his reign with the expanse of civilization. He died in February of 1405 during an uncharacteristic winter campaign against the Chinese Ming Dynasty, and was buried in Samarkand, in a tomb that still stands today. And because he was such a big deal, it has its own name, Guri Amir. For most, though, death is usually the end of the story. When Genghis Khan died, the Mongols splintered. The same with Attila and his Huns. And for the most part, that happened to Tamerlane as well. But that's not the story that we're here to talk about. We're here to discuss the fact that he may or may not have taken a curse with him to the grave. A curse that might well have changed the course of human history. By now, we've all heard of curses, of course. Thanks to the supposed curses that came from Egyptian rulers like King Tut as well as modern cinematic curses like those we see in Indiana Jones or The Mummy. Seeing excavation teams meet untimely demises isn't quite as extraordinary as it might have once been. But Tamerlane's curse hit on a much bigger scale, and it all started with an intrepid Soviet scientist named Mikhail Gerasimov, who was in the midst of pioneering the field of paleoanthropological facial reconstruction. Simply put, he dug up the dead, and use their remains to give us spitting images of what the deceased might have looked like. You can probably guess what happened next. Tamerlane was on Mikhail's list, and given the doctor's track record, Joseph Stalin himself was all for it, although no one is quite sure why. Mikhail set off to Samarkand to both verify that it was Tamerlane buried there, and to give the world another conqueror's face. As soon as he arrived, though, the locals cried out against the expedition team, worried that they would unleash a legendary curse. And the local Muslim religious leaders tried to stop the exhumation for the same reason. After all, the tomb was inscribed with some pretty daunting words. When I rise from the dead, it said, the world shall tremble. Mikhail heard the words from the keeper of the tomb, notified Moscow just in case, and then promptly arrested the man for spreading false rumors and instigating the public outcry. On June 19th of 1941, though, things went sideways. A beautiful slab of green jade was removed from atop the remains of Tamerlane, 
And there, Mikhail found another inscription, with yet another threat. Whomsoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I. Still unfazed, the body was taken and carted off to Russia, where it underwent intensive study and led to an exact facial reconstruction of what the great conqueror had looked like. But at what cost? Three days later, in a seemingly unrelated event, Nazi Germany initiated Operation Barbarossa and attacked Russia. Perhaps Tamerlane had called his shot with this invader more terrible than him. Moscow was wise to the warnings of Tamerlane's tomb, but they had bigger fish to fry, fending off the invasion by Germany. Still, being of a superstitious sort, Stalin knew that he needed to undo the curse that Gerasimov had initiated. Not just yet, though, he had a war to fight. A little over a year later, in November of 1942, Stalin finally got a bright idea. If it was Tamerlane's curse that had instigated the conflict with Germany, maybe he could end it, too. So the body was loaded into an aircraft and flown back to Samarkand, where it was buried with full honors in traditional fashion. One month later, the Battle of Stalingrad turned the tide of war and gave Russia a victory on the Eastern Front, a victory that would push the Nazis into losing the war entirely. Whatever role Tamerlane did or didn't have in changing the outcome of World War II, we'll never know for sure. Because while the face that Mikhail reconstructed from the Conqueror's remains is remarkably lifelike, it sadly can't answer our questions. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. 
It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. When it comes to unexplained phenomena, it's not uncommon for world leaders to be directly involved with their analysis or cover-up. For example, the U.S. government has been keeping Area 51 in the Nevada desert under wraps for decades. America's military continues to claim that the object that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947 was part of a surveillance balloon, not an alien spacecraft. And in 1979, a certain English prime minister made it her mission to track down one of the most mysterious creatures ever documented. That prime minister was Margaret Thatcher, who held the position from 1979 until November of 1990. She was known for her staunch conservative views, which led to a rise in poverty and income inequality across the UK. She was tough, too, earning her the nickname the Iron Lady, and for good reason. However, in one of her first acts as prime minister, Thatcher did not repeal financial regulations or privatize nationalized industries like gas and water. No, those came later. Instead, she set her sights on a menace stalking the waters of Scotland, a beast that had eluded hunters, scientists, and tourists for centuries. And it was time to bring it to justice. I'm talking, of course, about the Loch Ness Monster. And surprisingly, Thatcher had no interest in catching it or mounting it on her wall. Rather, she wanted to protect Nessie, and to do so, she would use dolphins. That's right, dolphins. But not just any dolphins. She wrote a letter to the Scottish Home and Health Department requesting the import of trained dolphins provided by the United States Navy. They would be placed in Loch Ness with high-tech gadgets affixed to them in order to sniff out the creature. This plot was believed to have been concocted by noted monster hunter Dr. Robert Rines from America. In 1972, Rhines had taken several underwater photographs of blurry flippers and torsos in Loch Ness that he claimed belonged to Nessie herself. His obsession brought him back to Scotland countless times over the span of 35 years, with each visit involving more equipment and technology. Unfortunately, his research never panned out, at least not according to the wider scientific community. But the Prime Minister was convinced, and so she pushed for a dolphin-led investigation— when word got out about Thatcher's plans, though, the public rose up in opposition. Animal rights activists didn't want her using dolphins for such a bizarre objective. Nessie enthusiasts worried that Thatcher's plan would actually result in the monster being caught and killed. So, what was her reason for using trained dolphins? Well, for one, Sweden had reached out to the UK to understand how they were planning to protect the Loch Ness Monster. The Swedes were looking to secure the safety of their own lake monster— a serpent whose existence had dated back all the way to the mid-1600s. But the real reason? Tourism. The UK's economy was suffering, inflation was up, and Thatcher was trying to bring in money however she could. If she could track down Nessie and reveal it to the public, the discovery would bring in untold amounts from tourists all over the world, and that meant money flowing back into the banks of the UK. Margaret Thatcher was not known as a jokester, Yet her plan to protect Nessie was done with her tongue planted at least partly in her cheek. Whether she really believed in Nessie is unknown, 
but she believed in it enough to warrant a formal inquest into the use of U.S. naval animals to find her. Thatcher had also pursued the Loch Ness Monster as a light-hearted response to the Swedes, telling them that the Secretary of State could add Nessie to the endangered species list for added protection. Her letters about the operation, as well as the responses she received, were classified for many years. Then, in 2006, they were made public under the Freedom of Information Act. One letter in particular from the Stockholm Embassy had been addressed to the Scottish office. It was in reference to Sweden's questions about Nessie's protection. And Thatcher responded, saying, The inquiry is a serious one, and we should like to give them at least a half-serious reply. Well, that serious reply came in 1981, when Nessie was officially placed under the protection of the UK's Wildlife and Countryside Act. And the best part of all? No dolphins required. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.